Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good Friday morning, everybody. Welcome to Duffified Live. So uh, I had somebody tell me that they don't want me to to, uh, basically promote the show at the end of the podcast because you've already listened to it. So I'm going to do it here real quick. I want you guys to do me a favor. Head over to iTunes and give us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. I want to know. Plus, it's going to help the numbers for the show. Y'all get this. It's a game that we all play. We need reviews. We need you guys talking about it. We need you guys sharing it. So I'm going to do this right off the bat. Go to iTunes and check it out. Okay? It's Duffified Live. You guys know what it is. You've already subscribed. Share these links with your friends. Hit that little arrow with a little square around at the bottom. It says share. Share it in your email, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Tinder, your Grinder, your Bumble, your whatever, your Tumblr. I don't give a shit. Just share it with your friends. We want you guys to do it so that everybody can hear what it is that we talk about out here. Okay? The other thing, check it out and go to RadioInfluence.com and look at some of these other podcasts that everybody's doing. Um, RadioInfluence.com is a great group of guys, Jerry and Jason down there out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Um, They have a huge and a wonderful lineup of shows that are on air that you guys can listen to, whether it be through iTunes or Stitcher or right off of the website themselves down at RadioInfluence.com. So please go over there and check it out and get it done. Um, Go to Instagram and like Duffified Live. Tell me about it. Go to uh, Twitter. Duffified Live, tell me about it. Go to Facebook, Duffified Live, tell me about it. That's all I asked. That's it. We're done. That was what, like a minute and a half of me doing it, and I didn't do it at the end of the show. So all I ask is you guys share. All right. We have had a pretty crazy couple of weeks going on, man. Great shows. Just wonderful shows with some really, really cool people um, that I have just I've just loved talking to. Um, you know, we're talking I mean, with, with Kim Ring and uh, everybody else who has been coming into the show and and hopping on here and sharing all of their amazing um, uh, stories and and knowledge and expertise. And all of that stuff, you know, we've got some really cool people. I mean, let, let's talk about Nicole, uh, you know, Nicole Kelly, just a super cool lady um, who, you know, Miss Iowa. I mean, how can you beat that? And then going into Miss America, um, you know, there's some really neat stuff with that. And I, I just texted her this morning just to check in with her and see how she's doing and and kind of see some of the cool stuff that goes on with her and in and, and her life at this point. Um there's some real neat stuff that she's getting involved in. And she just kind of told me a couple things. Somebody wants to film something with her, uh, which is, is really neat um, because she's got so much cool stuff going on. I mean, with the bionic world of her arm and all that, uh, you know, talking to Nicole was just brilliant. And then talking to, you know, Chris Priscilli, uh, who was on the show. Um, you know, this guy has owned the Rusty Nail, a dive bar that's a live music venue for 20 plus years. And, and some of the cool stuff with him is the fact that he is 100 percent involved in his business. 
You know, he talks to every single band and he promotes them and he's got the world's greatest worst website that I've ever seen. Go and check it out at the nail1.com. It is the greatest worst website that I've ever seen. Uh, it, it's, it's horrible in its appearance. It's content basically sucks, but Chris does an update on a daily basis of what happens in his life and, and people love it. It's his little blog world. Um, you know, like I had mentioned with Kim ring, uh, Kim is, is not only a friend, but she's a true professional. She's a professor of marketing and social media up at a college in Massachusetts. Um, just very, very, very good at what she does. And I really want to see her move forward. I'm going to try to get her out to nightclub and bar this year. Um, you know, we had a great conversation with Robert Castle, who opened up a distillery, uh, a whiskey distillery in, in uh, Ireland with a whole new kind of technology for the way that he's distilling his whiskeys in Ireland. I mean, that's a really kind of cool thing um, to get involved in and, and to kind of see. So, um, you know, this show isn't just about food. It really goes a much farther and a much deeper level of some stuff because of the people that we talk to. And, and my world is a lot of time spent in a kitchen, a lot of time spent in a restaurant, a nightclub, a bar, um, on a plane, uh, you know, in, in, in a venue somewhere, but I meet some really amazing people and I spend a lot of time just handing out my business cards and saying, Hey, do me a favor. Just reach out to me. Cause I'd love to interview you because I have great people that I meet, you know, Sarah Gullickson, um, who is the, the medical marijuana activist, who is also a consultant who opens up dispensaries. I didn't know a, a quarter of the shit that she knew. Um, and I loved talking to her, you know, we're talking about Danielle Harrington, um, who won her first, uh, her first match, uh, you know, really, really cool lady who does a, uh, who does a great job over at Tiger Shulman up there in Princeton and in Jersey, uh, with some stuff. We've had some real fun people on the show in the last couple of weeks. And, and I've been really glad to share them with you. And, and today's, today's the same. Um, you know, we've got a really good guest who's coming on, uh, uh, who uh, is a friend of mine as well as a great chef. And it's been a crazy couple of weeks, like I always say. Uh, you know, I, I took my girls down to uh, West Palm. I'll talk about the guest in a second. I took my girls down to West Palm. I had to shoot a commercial down there. Um, the week before that, I was down in North Carolina with my partner. We were working on, uh, on a new concept uh, that's going to be called Uncle Buzzy's, uh, which is a fried food concept that we're opening up in Winston-Salem. I'm really excited about it because it's a lot of fun food. Think about the, the, one of the taglines is, is that it's a creative carnival food. So we want to do some of the fun stuff that people are out there really looking at and going, Oh my God, I've got to go and have the quadruple burger with 47 pounds of corned beef on it. Well, we're not doing a quadruple burger with 47 pounds of corned beef, but we are going to do some really cool stuff down there. It's a fun outlet for me, um, in my creative kind of culinary world to be able to put some fun stuff like this together and execute it on a high level. That's what I want to do. Um, so I spent a couple days down there testing recipes recipes, immediately flew home. The next morning, <clears throat> the girls and I flew down to West Palm. I shot a, uh, a new commercial for a product that is going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be an as seen on TV. You guys know how much I loved the stuff's product that we did. <clears throat> And, uh, you guys know how much fun I had with that. Cause we talked, we've, we've talked about it before. Um, this is a really cool new product that's coming out. It's, uh, uh, it's for pizza. That's all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll, I'll get further with it once we air the shows and, and go on. But, uh, I want you guys to check it out and, uh, and, and see, I remember that I shot this commercial down in Florida. Um, and it was a neat thing. The girls were with me. 
uh, we got to hang out at the pool for a couple out for a couple days in reality, did some shopping and it was just a real nice kind of bonding. The girls and I had to get away for a couple of days. Um, and then we left immediately. We flew home on Friday or Friday and then immediately the next day drove down to the outer banks where I got to spend a great week on the water, uh, with my girls kind of away from my phone. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't even think I looked at my computer more than twice. And the whole time I was down there, uh, we were in the water. I was cooking every day, just little excursions and all that. And, you know, as my girls get older, I miss them more and more. I mean, they're 17 and 14 and they're at a friend's house or they're at, at a practice or they're at work or they're doing stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to squeeze in every moment that I can uh, with them. So I'm pretty happy about that. <clears throat> um, we had a great week. So uh, coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, we've got some cool stuff. I'm uh, I'm actually heading out to Spokane, Washington. I will be leaving on Saturday morning. Uh, one of my best buds, uh, he and I are going to be heading out there. I talk about him on the show. Um, follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at uh, uh, G Axtel, um, or you can follow him on Instagram at Just Outside of Philly. That's J O S T O U T S I D E A P H I L L Y. Um, he and I are going to be hopping on Harley's. Uh, we have uh, done a little bit of a partner with Lone Wolf Harley Davidson out of Spokane, Washington, which is one of the number one dealer is the number one dealership in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, these guys are unbelievable. I, I have dealt with Harley for the last uh, probably seven or eight years since I bought my first bike. I've dealt with dealerships and, you know, people go in to buy a car because they have to buy a car. People go in to buy a motorcycle because they want to buy a motorcycle. You don't have to buy a bike. So especially within the Harley world, it's not a pushy atmosphere. Um, I will tell you that of all of the experiences that I've had walking in and out of dealerships that Lone Wolf Harley-Davidson uh, just crushes it. Um, the, the events that they put on, what they do for the community, what they do with their military, what they do with their national, with their hog chapters. If you're a Harley guy, you understand what a hog chapter is. It stands for the Harley owners group. Um, they do some pretty cool events out there. They're actually doing one next week. Um, I can't make it to it cause I'll be on the road. Uh, Jeff and I are going to be riding about a thousand miles. We're heading from uh, Spokane, Washington, up into Banff, up in Canada, uh, going to ride across Canada and through Canada for a little while. And then we're going to head back back down and hopefully hop into some, uh, some Montana, get into Northern Idaho. Um, if you, while you guys are out there, uh, go into Lone Wolf Harley. This is not a commercial for them. I want you guys to understand that. I talk about shit that I like go into Lone Wolf. Uh, tell them I sent you in. You're not going to get anything off. You're not going to get money off or any of that. I just want them to know that I told you how much I love them. Uh, go in there, check them out, have some fun. Um, and while you're out there, if you're out in the Pacific Northwest next week, okay, there's a huge event that's going on out there. It is called Crave. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of information about this, okay? I got to pull something up here real quick. I wasn't fully prepared. It's called Crave Northwest, guys. Okay. Um, this is put on by the city of Spokane or by Spokane Valley. Um, it's a really, really neat event. It's a food and drink celebration. It happens July 12th through July 15th. Okay. And it's all about the taste of the Northwest. Uh, some amazing chefs end up being out here. Uh, my buddy, Chad White's going to be out there. He's got properties out there, the whole nine yards. Um, this is the inland Northwest premier food and drink celebration. It's going to be held at center place, uh, at the state of art, 54,000 square foot event at the Mirabu point park in Spokane Valley. Um, it's presented by the city of Spokane Valley craves a unique culinary event. It showcases the talents and visionary chefs and culinary professionals of that area. 
Now, Thursday night is a huge festival. Saturday night, Friday night is their um, seafood portion of it, as well as I'm going to be over in Coeur d'Alene, at the, uh, which is in northern Idaho, which is going to be at the casino over there. I'm doing a private dinner for 40 people, um, which is going to be five courses. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what the menu is because I haven't finalized the menu yet, but I'm going to be working on that right now. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that goes on out there. There's a whole dine around that happens on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be out there with Harley on Saturday afternoon. Uh, let's just talk, man. Let's have a beer. Let's bullshit. Let's have some fun and, and talk. Uh, come on, let's talk bikes. Let's talk food. Let's talk about the fun, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, uh, you know, of being on a bike and being able to explore. So that's what I got going on. And then immediately after that, I fly home the 15th and then I immediately fly down to North Carolina on the 16th where I will be in Winston Salem, North Carolina doing the opening of uncle Buzzies. Uh, we are on Instagram at uncle Buzzies, U N C L E B U Z Z Y S. Uh, it is right on first Avenue in Winston Salem, right up the street from the quiet pint, which is an awesome little gastro pub that I uh, developed the menu for uh, a bunch of years ago. And I partnered up with the owner of that place. And now we're going to do uncle Buzzies. So um, like I said, it's just going to be a super fun menu, a lot of really cool, simple, fun food. It's all about that. That's what I got going on. Um, so uh, I hope you guys have fun. I hope you guys enjoy uh, this show. I'm really, really happy about the fact that I've got Chef Rosito on the show. He's from Johnson & Wales. He is a professor up there. He's a culinary educator. He's been involved in Johnson & Wales for 21 years. He graduated from Johnson & Wales a bunch of years before that, worked in restaurants, went back to his father's business, got involved in some other stuff, and uh, is a 21-year uh, veteran of being a culinary educator. So I hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this little conversation that we get to have with Chef Russ Zito. All right, everybody. So uh, I'm pretty stoked uh, about my guest today. Uh, this is a gentleman who I met uh, about a year and a half ago um, doing a project that we had to do out in Vegas at the Food and Beverage Innovation Center. And uh, this was a guy who just kind of uh, he, he's a chef, a, a chef's chefs, a chef's chef. Let's put it that way. This is a guy who uh, uh, is a leader, takes control, knows his job. And uh, actually makes my job out at the Food and Beverage Innovation Center super easy because of his organization and his leadership. Um, so I want everybody to do me a favor and uh, give a big round of applause. Turn your radios up. Get rid of the children because I have foul language that spews out of my mouth. And uh, welcome to the show, Chef Russ Zito. How we doing? My What's brother. On, man? How are you, Long man? Long time no speak. I know, man. It's been forever. It's been what? Well, it's only been about two months. Yeah, two months. That's, that's a long time in chef it, business. That's true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. It is. <laughs> so, hey, chef, why don't you do me a favor real quick? Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell me who you are and what you do, and then we'll go from there. All right. Yeah, sounds good. I am. I am. You said I'm a chef. Chef. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but uh, I am. I, I am living the dream. I am a culinary educator at a young stage in my life, somewhere where I thought I'd be, you know, later on in life. But uh, I'm, I'm doing what I love doing. I get to cook every day with young people. Uh, I have a blast, and I learn as much as I teach every day. Uh, incredible. So I am a Rush, Chef Russ Zito. I work at Johnson & Wales University up here in Providence, Rhode Island. I've uh, been there 21 years now. Uh, come out of the industry Learned to cook as a young child, like most of us, uh, and uh, really, really enjoying life right now. That's awesome. So, 
Now, let me ask you a question, because one of the things you said is that you're, you're here at an early stage in your life, someplace you didn't think you'd be here now. What, what do you mean by that? You know, I always thought as a, as a young kid, I went to culinary school. I had some I, maybe a different entry into the industry. Um, I joined the military uh, while I was still in high school. I was uh, I was in the Coast Guard for uh, for eight years uh, as a reservist. Uh, I got my culinary training, my first official culinary training outside of high school with them, and they helped put me through culinary school at Johnson and Wales. Um, so I was thought as a young kid getting into the industry. I was probably twenty twenty one when I first got out of college and had my real you know first real. Um, leadership slash management experience running an operation um, where I thought, oh, man, it'd be great, you know, 30, 40 years down the road when I'm old and tired and can't do what I'm doing every day now, I would maybe get into the kitchen and, and share what I learned throughout my career and at my, uh, you know, throughout my life with people that were my age now. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like that was a natural progression. But somehow I found myself uh, into culinary education at what I would consider a young age. Well, I mean, seriously, you've been at it for 21 years. And I mean, you've been yeah. you've been edu- you've been an educator for 21 years. Yeah, I've been I've been teaching at Johnson Wales for 21 going on 22 years now. That's and uh, I thought maybe at, at 50, I just turned 50 this year. Big, big five zero. <laughs> uh, that I'd just be entering education at this point, you know. Right. Having taken all those years to, to you know, gain that experience and, and the understanding and the, uh, that, that, you know, wise sage kind of stuff that you can pass on to younger, uh, you know, younger, uh, cooks and, and, and students. So. so, so when you, when you graduated school, where, what were you doing? Where were you working? Let's see. When I graduated school, I, I was working a couple jobs. Um, I was working with a local restaurant, uh, where I, resettled in northern new jersey because uh, i was going to school up here in providence and um you know working as a as a, a pm kind of kitchen manager uh you know doing some of the ordering that kind of stuff but i also got into a uh, uh, family business that I, I had been part of throughout the years working summers and and anytime i could lend a hand uh, my father had a machine shop in patterson new jersey and um you know he always worked with the material called bronze lots of lead and bronze. So it never really found its way into the food service industry, but somewhere during my time in education at Johnson Wales, I met a lot of people on the, on the equipment side of the industry. And I found this natural progression into the family business to expand our materials into things that could work in the, in the kitchen. So hmm. we started working with some Teflons and some Rulons and different things, making, uh, you know, pieces of, uh, uh for equipment, that I remember having to fix all the time as a cook in the kitchen, whether it be a part to the food processor or a missing, uh, you know, uh, 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 bearing on one of these, uh, you know, uh, little immersion blenders or whatever it was. I'm like, ah, oh, man, we can, we can knock these things off really cheap and, and quick and not have to wait for parts coming in from, uh, you know, uh, original equipment order somewhere six, six weeks on a, on a boat somewhere, you know? So wait, you guys, if something broke, you guys fixed it. You guys didn't just throw oh, it out man. and order a new yeah. one? Listen, if, if, if your oven went down, we could fix it in 24 hours. Otherwise, it's taking four weeks by someone else. You know, so it was, it was kind of cool because I was in my element in the kitchen and working with equipment that I had become familiar with over the years. But now I'm working with my father in a family business. So it was, 
you know, it was, uh, it, it, there was something really cool about that because he wasn't a cook. He right. was a machinist. I was a cook, but we c- kind of found a way to put the two together. Right. And of course I gave, I gave him the computer. He helped me buy for grad school because I didn't need it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so now, so, so you're working in restaurants, you're working with the family business. So where is that transition? How do you then move into becoming the educator? Okay. So, uh, during grad school, I did my master's thesis on, uh, on inventory control systems and discrepancies in real time systems versus, wow. you know, me, I'm a computer geeky kind of guy. Love it. Love, I those love spreadsheets, it. you know? Yep. <laughs> so I did my master's thesis on, uh, on, um, uh, on computerized inventory control systems. And, you know, we always had issues in the storm where, you know, we buy a whole lamb, they break them down in the meat room. And then somehow they end up ground lamb in the kitchen, but nobody ever makes that transaction in the middle. So we had, you know, 75,000 pounds of whole lamb in the storeroom, but there was no lamb in the storeroom. All we had was burgers and chops and, and ground lamb and, and lamb fat and whatever it was. So there was always a discrepancy. And I remember spending days trying to fix that in the computer for you know, year end or month end when, when it came time to do the inventory. So I, I picked this up as a project. I compared it to a real-time uh, grocery store system where, you know, they barcode everything in and scan everything out, and it was right. all real-time. And if there was breakage, and you allowed for all that stuff. And that's how I, I, I kind of got my foot in the door in the storeroom as a consultant. After I graduated, they had me come back, work with them a little bit on the software, on the hardware side. And uh, we ended up coming up with a system that was a lot more you know, this is before there were any packages readily available out in industry. You know, right. We're talking probably the, the late 80s, early 90s. Sure. I mean, AOL was the internet back then, right? You know, it was like, Dial it up. <laughs> Dial it up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, so I got into the storeroom and I'm, I'm doing some consulting here and there. And I happened to come up one weekend when they're having the uh, graduation picnic. Uh, with all the faculty and I got invited over to do that. And I got chatting with a couple, a couple of my old professors. And next thing you know, they're looking for somebody to come in and help out doing, uh, and it was an equipment uh, technology class oh, for cool. a brand new degree program we had called the, <laughs> of all things, the C4 program. Um, they didn't like the name, but it stuck. And, uh, and we ended up running it as a four year culinary baccalaureate program. Oh, and wow. the class that I taught was a, food service technology class. Oh, that's pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah, it was neat. So uh, it got me right through on the equipment side. I got my, you know, I was still doing the, the, uh, the thing with my father's business Christ, I think I still have 60 accounts with him. I think he's about 10 years behind on my, uh, on my, uh, on my, um, <laughs> you know, payments for commission though, you know? <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, that- that's a, I, it was the equipment side that got me back to school. So, uh, so, I mean, how is that for you? You know, I mean, look, I, I love I, I, a huge part of what we do, whether we're in the kitchen, whether we're out of the kitchen as chefs. I mean, I graduated high school or culinary school in 94. So but I still have always said that 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 no matter what it is that we do, we're educators. You know, we, we're, we're culinarians in what we do and, and putting food out to plate or putting food and, and on plates and getting it out to the guest and whatnot. But we're educators. I mean, we're we have people yeah. that work for us because of the fact that they, they trust us and they want to learn from us. So we're first and foremost educators. So, I mean, was it a, was it a weird kind of world for you to, to leave that kitchen, even though you'd already left and been working with your pop, 
to now be in that educational setting for it? Well, you know, you said it yourself. It, it just seems to go hand in hand. I think any good chef in, in, in their own right is a good educator by default. Right. Uh, you know, any of the great chefs that I ever remember working for, I remember working for them mostly because of what I learned while I was there. Right. And, you know, there's, there's chefs that'll take your hand and hold you and, and nurture you. And, uh, and there's chefs that'll, you know, kick your ass while they're doing it. Right. Um, and usually what I remember best was those chefs that had a balance of all of those things. You know, a great educator, really, you know, put the hammer down when you need to get your ass moving when you need to and put out great phenomenal food that looked great, that tasted great, that came from the heart every day. Right. And when you learn from somebody that teaches like that, that works like that and could, could work you under the table any day, um, that you can't help but respect that. Sure. You know, and that, that's what I use as, as kind of my springboard for, for working my way into the kitchen and being that type of educator. I'd like to think all of my students see me that way, but, uh, you know, just lately on uh, rateyourprofessor.com or whatever it was, I got a couple that like, man, since he does an asshole, he yelled at us all the time. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll have to change really? that up a little bit again. Hold on. What is this <laughs> rate your instructor? What is rate your instructor? Yeah, it's like rate, rateyourprofessor.com. They do it on all the, uh, the college uh, sites, you know. Got really? a lot of good praise, but you know, I got a couple in there that I guess uh, disgruntled in students over the years. <laughs> hey, look, dude, you've been doing that. But you know what? Twenty-one years. A couple isn't bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I figured those are the best ones to learn from, right? Yeah. It's like you know, rate rate your Yelp review dot com. <laughs> yeah, fuck Yelp. So, <laughs> that's my world with it. Yeah. Um, oh. My favorite is watching the chefs, uh, you know, comment on their reviews. You know. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Why well, we say the, the, for me. the best review that I'd ever received was a one star review from a woman who said that she would never step foot in our place because she walked by the restaurant every day when she walked her dog and the music just seemed like it was too loud. Ah. Uh. So I got yeah. one star from a woman who had never been in the restaurant, but she knew she was not going to like it if she came in, no matter what. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. highly applicable. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the way that it works. these days. But so, um, yeah, I love what I do, man. I work with a bunch of young people that want to yeah. know everything that I know, man. Absolutely. They're just eager to get it out of you. You know, they're away from home. Most of them for the first time. Right. You know, when he, uh, we stick them in those dorms over there and all stressed out. They, God knows what they're experimenting with over there. And, and then we stick them in a room with open flames and we give them all knives. Well, and say, Let, let's get it done. So what are you, I mean, this is, this is really one of the main, one, one of the main reasons that I wanted to, to have you on the show is because you have really seen a, a, a true transformation of the, the quality, the caliber of, of not only students, but of human nature for the last yeah. 21 years. I mean, I mean, let's go back to 21 years. You're, you're, you're a young guy. You're 31 years old. You know, you're 30 yep. years old, right? At that point, 29, you're, you're now standing in a classroom. You're teaching a class on technology within equipment to, I mean, what, what year is that? That's, that's 19, 
80, 90, that would have been 97, 97. 97. 97. Yeah. So 97, yep. I mean, 97, dude, think about the transformation. From 97 uh, until now. I think now. about it every day, man. <laughs> yeah. This, so this is the, the, this is the, the, the subject of every after school, after work, uh, go have a couple beers with a fellow faculty and holy crap, what happened in the last 21 years? Yeah. Things have but, changed. So, <laughs> so if we can, if we can move back, I mean, let's think back to that. Yeah. What, what was that? I mean, uh, your first class that you taught, what was that? I mean, you're standing in front, I, I, cause I know what mine was like. So what was your yeah. first time you're standing in front of a class? Well, it, it was different for me because I, I went immediately to seniors. So these are students okay. that have already done an associates in culinary arts, right? They're working in an advanced culinary arts degree. This program is geared towards producing someone that is eventually going to become an executive chef, not a restaurant owner not a food and beverage director, not a hospitality administrator, not anything else, but somebody that's going to run a kitchen and, okay. and not necessarily their own, but be an executive type chef person. So that's, that's what this, this degree was built for to, to uh, like a chef in training program. Everybody so at a two year program thinks of chefs now today, but. Oh, I mean, else no. <laughs> anybody, anybody who's in a kitchen calls themselves a chef anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this was different because it was, it was two years of culinary arts. And then you went into two years of advanced uh, inventory uh, and accounting. It was uh supervisory management. It was scheduling. It was uh, budgeting. It was uh, spec, spec uh, specifying equipment and putting uh, equipment, uh, you know, bid sheet together. Uh, it was very detailed. You know, right. we use a couple of really good industry books as a, as a, a springboard for developing, um, you know, how you would put a line together uh, that would either fit a menu or a concept or vice versa, develop a concept that would fit around a line of equipment uh, in order to, uh, you know, launch a, a, a new concept or a new idea or a new style of restaurant using said space. Right. Um, so that was the focus of the class. And we looked at all of the higher technology. Uh, at that time, it was light wave. It was convection microwave. It was induction. I mean, induction, I don't think anybody knew about it in the United States other than chefs that had worked over in Europe or on a cruise yeah. ship or somewhere at that time. You yeah, know, it was, so it was, it was, it was this real cutting edge stuff. Right. You know, I had uh, my boys at Robocoo in there with all their slicing and dicing uh, equipment, you know, the veg prep stuff that these kids all been doing by hand up to this point. Say, all right, now, now that you got that Julienne down and you've mastered it. Let me you show got you a as trick. As close as you're going to get to. Here, yeah. let's, let's, let's spin it on this baby and see what happens. Right. You know? <laughs> so now you can do a decent quality, but make 100 pounds of it in like 20 minutes, you know? Right. Sure. So, 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 so I mean, so now you're, you're standing. Now, did you develop this course or, or, I mean, where did the curriculum come from? Uh, the curriculum, I was I was involved in developing part of it, and then I'm obviously continuing the development of it. But right. um, most of the core was done already. I had came in and take, taken over for a guy that had left the school to go work for, uh, who did he go work for? One of the big uh, uh, Vulcan he went to work for on their induction side. Okay. So I came in and kind of filled in where he took off and then developed the course a little bit further from there with right. a good buddy of mine and uh, another chef, uh, German master chef, uh, Reiner Hinervadel. Oh my God, this guy's amazing. Love working with him. 
That's awesome. I, I like going out and having beers with him at the German club on Friday night better, but right. I love working with the guy. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, you work with for 20 plus years and every day you still learn something new. Sure. So yeah. what, so, so now let's, let's kind of dive back into a little bit more within the, the kind of the, the students that you're working with. I mean, in 97, you know, I mean, the students that you're dealing with are, and you're dealing with full blown They've already gone through the, the basics. They understand the gist yep. of what they're doing. They've got a great grasp on it. Now they're extend, you know, they're kind of extending that education a little bit further. I mean, what, what, what do you, what was the, and I hate to be, I hate to go so vague or even go so big on this question. Well, no, you have to, man. This is a nine, nine day, 54 contact hour class. It's over in two and a half weeks. Wow. Boom. Yeah. So there's no, so coddling. there's no bullshit. It's just right into no. it. You're in, you got, you got, uh, basically how it was set up is the requisitions for the first three days of class are all set. Right. There's three specific menus that we got all planned out for the first three days. Okay. Then you break the class up into three teams. Okay. So you're talking about five to six persons per team. Okay. And now each of those teams has to write a menu, write re uh, requisitions and get those orders in on the first day, four days four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Each got to do two menu productions. Wow. So say team one would have their menu on four and then again on seven. And what okay. they got to do is they got to utilize some of this higher tech equipment to facilitate a menu uh, with a budget. I think they had $200 to feed the dining room. Um, you know, okay. we've had probably 60 to 80 seats out there. Right. Um, you know, and not, not doing dessert and not doing some of the other stuff. That's what the pastry classes did, but the, the primary three courses, maybe so right. appetizer, a soup, a salad, an entree. Right. So we're filling that part of it and the pastry class is coming in and they've got their own project doing the dessert. And of course they support it with breads and rolls and things like that. Sure. So we weren't really involved in that too much unless it was part of the project. Yeah. So they hit the ground day one, you know, I, I give them the, you know, we reviewed the syllabus. This is before there was anything electronic. We're still putting power PowerPoint slides where were printed on transparencies and you put them on the little glass. Oh you, yeah, absolutely. You know, you the light the, underneath put them up on the wall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or you sure. wrote on the chalkboard. Nobody knows what the hell chalkboard is anymore. Well, when I graduated, <laughs> when I, when I was in culinary school, we had our, you know, like I think CIA and Johnson and Wales, you guys all use the same book. Ours were photocopied pages and typed out <laughs> pages that they had like bound at, at, at Kinko's, you know, yeah, with that, yeah, like, yeah. With that black plastic tabbing <laughs> on the outsides of it. And that's what I remember. And I'm like, man, am I really paying? What am I paying for here? Like I got uh, photocopied uh, pages. I could have done this at home, but yeah. Um, so what kind of, I mean, so you've really truly seen the growth of, 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 of employees, you know, of what's oh, coming yeah. into the culinary force, you know, what came out of it in 97, 98, 99 compared to what we're now graduating 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, yeah. how well culinary, culinary education has changed a lot since then. Then, you know, if you wanted to be a culinary student, a, you had to have some experience before you got to the, you know, the program, you had to come in, you had to apply, you had to qualify. There was no SAT scores or anything like that. It was, can you do? Can right. you get in there? Can you make it happen? And then if you did well, 
you moved on through your classes and progressed pretty well. Uh, if you didn't do well, man, you just didn't go any further. Sure. You it was a time right where if, 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 if we didn't think, and I say we as a faculty, it wasn't me personally, but as, as a group, if they didn't think that you were going to be representative of the program at the end of the program, you, yeah. you didn't make it through. Right. You found your way into something else like fashion merchandising or criminal <laughs> justice or something, you know? <laughs> you know, I hate to say it that way, but it was blunt. That's the way it was today. Oh, it's I, not like that. Well, no, today, now we, everybody paying for an education is going to get through in some way, shape or form with as much or as little help as they're going to need to get through. Right. You know what and, I'm saying? Because, because that's what education has become. It's, it's not that, lean and mean, loud and proud culinary. If you, if you're bad, you don't get through. And if you're great, you're going to be on top. Everybody is going to go through. Yeah. That that's what education is. Somebody paying you all that money to come in and get educated. They're going to get it out of you. Now, do you guys, are you guys involved in, um, how much, how much involvement does Johnson and Wales have in, in placement after the fact? Uh, it, there is a lifetime placement service, whether the student uses it or not is really up to them. Right. But I've, I've seen, I've seen faculty, I mean, uh, uh, graduates from 30 years ago, alumni come back and go right. through that job posting system and find an exceptional position where they fit in perfectly. Uh, and it's all electronic today, but there's lifetime placement services as a student, as an alumni, uh, and everything from paid and free internships in terms of broad and, and, uh, uh, international internships to, you know, high end, uh, corporate and executive staff positions still available through that entire posting system. And, you know, alumni is your, is, is your best, uh, that's your best way to look for any kind of job. You go, go to who oh, you absolutely. went to school with and, you know, so how many, how many of your old classmates do you run into over the years where they're all in big positions now? And you're like, none, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I, see, I don't know where you went to school. So. <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to the. Uh, it's now called uh, the rest. It's Walnut Hill College. It was called the Restaurant oh, School. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But but uh, when I I mean I think my graduating class was like nineteen or something or twenty two. Oh, oh I didn't yeah. Have a, a huge because it was a small at that point it was a small bachelor's degree or associates program. There wasn't a bachelor degree that was involved in it. Um, now it's a four year college, so there's a full blown. Um, you know, I mean, it's a full blown bachelor's degree and you can do your, yeah, yeah. continue to go further with it. Um, I mean, there's some great instructors down there. I'm like, I'm on the board. I I'm kind of helping. I'm helping. Um, we're doing a yeah, lot. I got down there for, I got down there once uh, we were down in Philly for an ACF, uh, conference and, uh, they had hosted, uh, some of the, the things over Walnut Hill there. Um, I think we did the, the student competition over there. Yeah. They got to work in all the kitchens and everything. That was great. It's a nice little, it's a nice campus. And yeah. the, campus, the campus itself has really grown over the years. When I was there, it was the old mansion. That was the only that was the only portion of it. Once I yeah, graduated, I think that's it, where we were when we went over there for dinner that night. Yes, and and they've got a, it's a really neat setup. They have an American dining room, they have an Italian dining room, and I and I'm not sure and a French dining room. So all comes out of one kitchen. They run with three separate menus. Um, they do a really nice job, and and the the chef instructors that are down there, they're very talented. You know, I mean, they're very talented. Yeah. 
Good group of people. Yeah. A lot of the instructors that end up going down there are down there to get their 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 additional certifications, whether it be CEC or MC or whatever it is that they're working on. So now, with, yep. with your with your students, are they graduating with an ACF certification? Uh, they they have that option uh, if they do it on their own, but we don't have any specific affiliation with the ACF. I know at one point it was uh, it was kind of a reciprocal thing. Um, but they have all the skills that qualify a student to leave after two years, other than the supervisory and management requirement uh, for certified culinary aid. Okay. In so order to get that, in, in order to get that supervisory management, they have to take that bachelor's degree program. But at oh, a two-year okay. program, they got everything they need, other than obviously the practical exam is uh, is waived uh, or was waived at one point, but they have to take that now. Because okay. we don't have that reciprocal with them anymore. But, but yeah, they have the qualifications to pass that CC exam. Ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. The lady portion of that, eh, go off to the side a little bit. I get to talk to the boys here real quick. Boys, look, we are in a different world, okay? Uh, we're in a world of men take much better care of themselves these days, okay? Whether it be a product that you're putting in your hair or a lotion you're putting on or a pill that you're using to do what you got to do. There are, are uh, sometimes things like this are uncomfortable to talk about. We don't want to talk about the fact that we're going bald. You know, sometimes we don't want to talk about sexual wellness when it comes to this stuff, but there's a brand new wellness that's coming on for men. Um, uh, and it's important. Something we all got to talk about. Look, I'm 46 years old, man. Okay, I'm losing my hair. It's going bald on top. I hate to tell you. I wear hats all the time that everybody knows, and it's not that I'm uncomfortable about it. I'm just letting you know. So what we have is we have a new wellness brand that's happening for men, and we've got a couple of problems with some stuff. We're talking about 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Okay, and the problem is when you start to notice it, it's just too late. All right, is your hairline starting to recede or go backwards? Are you getting any bald spots? How are you going to feel a year from now if it's just not you're, you're out of your hair. So we've got a solution for this, and it's called 4 That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. A one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. All right. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. All right. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. All right. No waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits. You can save hours just by going to forhims.com. Answer for a few questions. Doctor's going to review and they're going to prescribe you right away. Products are shipped directly to your door. Okay. So guys, I, I, like I said, I'm starting to lose my hair up top. It's getting thin. I've got a receding hairline. I'm starting to take this stuff. I'm feeling much better about it. All right. So what I want you guys to do is really simple. Order now. All of my listeners are going to get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today right now while all supplies last. You can go to the website for full details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So what I want you guys to do is go to 4hims.com slash chef. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash chef. 4hims.com slash chef. Your first month is a trial month and it's only five bucks. Go do it. What are you seeing now compared to 21 years ago? And I have a follow-up question. Uh, to that. What do you see? Okay. What do so, you yeah, see now? What do I students? see now? So yeah. we, we have a variety, a, to a complete variety covered a gamut. So we have those students um, that, that we had back in 97, you know, the ones that come out, they've already worked a couple of years in the industry, whether it was in high school or they took a little time off. Uh, they, they know what they want to do. Uh, they're sure that they're going to be running a kitchen. 
they're going to be cooking, or they know that they're going to be a food and beverage director and they want to move front of the house. Uh, so those students still exist, but it's not nearly as many as it used to be as in proportion to the whole. Uh, and then there's students that really don't know uh, what they want to do in the future, but they know they like to cook. And they come in and, uh, you know, they, and they may do equally as well. But uh, right. what we have at J. Wu, and I'm sure it's uh, the same in other, other schools, uh, we have a really good way of, of getting these students directed into places where they think they might want to work and maybe eventually find a niche, whether it be, you know, private clubs or whether it be hotels, whether it be stand up, uh, you know, standalone restaurants or, you know, uh, uh, corporate, um, because we have all these little tracks that they can kind of uh, delve into to really find their way, whether it's through internships, uh, whether it's through part-time uh, work through a job fair that we do early in the year, freshman year, whether it be through clubs and organizations, or whether it be through an actual summer work experience or a term abroad. Um, now, just, the counselors over there have a really neat way uh, uh, of just being able to pull some of that stuff out of them, whether it be based on questionnaires or personal interviews or whatnot. And, uh, and those students usually do very, very well as well. And then right. we get other kids that come in and they just have no idea what they want to do. They just like to cook and, uh, and maybe don't ever want to cook again, but want to get into maybe nutrition or they want to get into food product development or they want to get into, um, uh, you know, something outside of commercial cooking, but this right. is their only real stepping stone at Johnson and Wales to get to that level. Okay. Um, so, so those are the students that usually, they don't necessarily struggle, but, but the chefs struggle more with because a, they don't want to cook, you know? Right. So, you know, the speed sometimes is a little lacking, maybe the focus on plate up or, you know, it, it's not about the cooking for them. It's about getting to that next piece. Right. And that's where we really got to start uh, kind of capitalizing on it. So those students, because right. those are the students that are going to continue to fill um, those spaces that, you know, that, that we have at the, in the kitchens. So, right. So what about, so how is it that you are, I mean, over the last 21 years, you've obviously seen the, the change in human nature in the way that, that kids learn in the, in the quality or the caliber of student that is coming in. And, and, and in reality, I mean, I'm just going to say it, the sensitivity level, I mean, 21 yeah. years ago, I was throwing a potato at your head and today I'm having you sign a form just to see if it's okay if you can work on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I, mean? I understand. Well, you know, I think that has a lot to do with, with uh, uh, you know, assistance that students are getting in public education. I think it has a lot to do with um, how teacher-student uh, relationships in the public schools prior to coming to post-secondary, uh, you know, uh, programs like us, um, it was, there's just more of that, uh, nurturing to get students who may have, uh, alternative, uh, learning styles or maybe have some issues, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, disability and learning or, um, uh, you know, math is one of the things, oh man, I tell you today, <laughs> <laughs> just I, I I I I wish we could go back to memorizing the times tables. You know what I'm saying? Oh my Let's god! Just memorize yeah. them. Dude, it's so weird. Explain 14 ways how two times two is four. It's I unbelievable. Just memorize two times two is four. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, I think the changes in 
um, in public education have definitely influenced how the students um, you'll perceive our programs um, at the post-secondary level. Uh, I see a lot more a lot more students taking those uh, those fill-in math courses to kind of get them up to speed. Uh, you know, to me, it's second nature. You know, there's you know three teaspoons and a tablespoon, and two tablespoons of a fluid ounce, and eight fluid ounces in a cup. It just rolls out of your head because that's right. the way you know it. But it takes a student so much just to memorize that today and that, that sometimes it's hard to understand that. Yeah. It's hard to understand how that's a problem. But equally, I, I don't ever remember 14 people out of 19 in a class being allergic to something. Right. Right. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of these things, the health problems and asthma and, and uh, uh, airborne reactions to, to different foods. So I think, it's not necessarily just uh, the, the student's work ethic or ability to learn or learning styles that have changed. There's a lot of things that are changing. And I'd really like to know what, what's causing a lot of it. Right. I, I mean, I've got my own, trust me, I've got my own theories on it. And I think a lot of it has to do with, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the additives and all the chemicals and, yeah. and, and all the additional products that are being put into what it is that we're eating. I mean, you take a look yeah. at the simple fact that, you know, you look at a 13 year old girl now and she's got double D's, man. You know, yeah. well, why is that? Well, we're giving her, you know, drink your milk, drink your milk, drink your milk, drink your milk, drink your milk. Right. So giving, you know, <laughs> bovine growth formula directly to a child for 13 years straight. That is the same formula that we are feeding to cattle to get them to grow bigger and stronger so that they yeah. have much more of a higher yield. So why are we why are we surprised that kids are fatter because of all the processed sugars and all the other bullshit that goes into food? You know, I mean, we look at allergy levels of things and and you look at the chemicals that are added into things. You know, I mean, my daughter's allergic to tree nuts. Luckily, both of my girls have don't have a lot of allergies. They, Fiona yeah. has has an allergy to tree nuts. That's her world that she lives in. But my nephew is allergic to chicken. My nephew's allergic to yeah. soy. He's allergic to wheat. He's allergic to gluten. He's allergic wow. to, you know, pretty much everything that's out there. This kid has to have specialized shampoo because yeah, of all the Yeah, I got a kid in the neighborhood like that. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my youngest is allergic to peanuts. There's nobody for three generations of my family that's allergic to peanuts that we know of. Yeah. So it's got to be coming from somewhere because it's not hereditary. Right. So, but I mean, I think at the same time, I mean, how are we... How are you changing the style or how have you changed the style of education? Uh, let me hold on. Let me, let me back up real quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look, when you were in school and you're, you're, you're four years older than I am, you're three years older than I am. I turned 47 in a couple of days. So you're three years older than I am. You and I are basically in the same world. We both kind of grew up in a kitchen in that manner. Okay. Yeah. I remember guys throwing shallots at the back of my head, yelling at me. That's a four season shallot. That's not any shallot. It's a four season <laughs> shallot. You know, the, 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 the leadership, which was in some cases a dictatorship, but you did what you had to do. And you asked a question when you needed to ask a question, but you didn't question the direction in which you were being led. Whereas now yeah. we are being everything questioned. is questioned. Everything. So how so why the hell, am I learning this? <laughs> yes. So how are you handling that? I mean, how are you, are you having to change? How are you changing? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I told you, I, I originally started teaching senior level students. Right. And, uh, and, and that's wonderful because they've been through 
uh, let's see, 10, 15, 20, probably 20 to 25 of our fellow culinary faculty up to that point. Right. Um, and all of those folks that they had are coming out of our era or possibly 10 or 20 years before our era. Those are the guys that were throwing the shallots at your head. Right. You know, for me, it was, it was searing hot saute pans at the pot tank. That's what I was getting thrown at. Me. Oh, I mean, that was, no, I had a sh- that was no four seasons pot, pot tank either. Right. Dude, I had a chef who stood next what? to me and would run up his pan along the side of my arm in Florida oh, and yeah. burn the side of my arm and go, ah, ha, ha, that's going to leave a mark tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. I, mean, hey, I work with and, a few of those guys too. I mean, but, but <laughs> I mean, how is it? And look, I, I'm not talking about some of the higher end kitchens that we're dealing with. You know, I'm not talking about Alinea. I'm not talking about Boulot. I'm not talking about these, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, repair. I'm talking yeah, about, yeah the everyday kitchen where you've got cooks that are coming in, whether they be a culinary graduate or whether they are just a straight cook. I mean, the dynamic of the employee has changed so much that I just changed a lot. I I just don't understand how somebody who is (laughs) 50 is teaching a, a, a child like that, the real true manners of working in a kitchen while still, holding their hand in a way. Yeah. Am I asking well, that's, that correctly? That's, yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand what you're, what you're asking. So let's, uh, let's attack it a couple different ways. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we, we have this saying at the school every year <clears throat> we get a year older, but the student stays the same age. Right. It's basically you're working with that 17, 18 year old. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got to clear that. <laughs> but, um, the, the university, I, I have to tell you, has been very good over the years, and it's taken them a long time to get to that point, too. Uh, we, you know, we have these, you know, everybody has to do their goals in the corporate world and self-assessments and all these wonderful things that we, we hate spending time on, but in some ways, shape, and form, they, they, they tend to help out a little bit just in reflecting alone, uh, looking right. back at some of the stuff that you did, you know? But, uh, you know, over the years, we've developed these, uh, these programs where by the end of the year, you know, I have to evaluate myself. I have to look at all the goals I set for my, myself last year, some of them academic, some of them, uh, um, you know, uh, professional development, uh, some of them, uh, you know, uh, volunteerism and community service, that kind of stuff, and look back and say, all right, what did I do this year? And, and in doing so, we also have to look at all of these student evaluations of what we've done over the course of the year and how your students view you as an instructor, view the course content you're teaching and how you convey that content to them. And of course you get some really, really good ones. And like I said, some really bad ones and you get a lot of stuff in the middle, but the best part is they let them handwrite comments on there. And I don't know how they do it, but somebody transcribes all those comments into uh, kind of a digest. So at the end of the year, I'm going through, I read all these things. I'm like, all right, Chef Zito does great demos. Chef Zito does too many demos. Chef Zito has a, a great lecture style. Chef Zito talks too much. Chef Zito does, uh, spends too much time uh, doing something. That, you know, there's, it's opposite ends. Everybody, I get some for, some against. But in, in pulling all that stuff apart, I get some really good feedback. Okay. Like, you know, where can I improve upon? Uh, and that's coming from maybe some of those alternative style learners. Uh, some of those learners that might not learn the same way as the rest of the group. 
So I try and do things. I went to this con- uh, conference a couple years ago with a uh, cafe um, in, in Chicago, it's right. a culinary arts, a food service a- a- educators conference. And uh, they had a kid come in, young kid. Um, and he did a whole thing on gamifying culinary education. I don't know if you ever got hooked on all the video games and all that stuff. No, uh, in your era, Thank God. my era, <laughs> I did. I, I stayed up a few nights gaming. Uh, you know, when I, when I was a, a kid, you know, what was it like Atari back then? But yeah, you know, right. Well, you got some good systems over the years. I still play with my boys uh, up in the the room with the big screen, whatever it is they're playing now. Minecraft. <laughs> uh, mine? No, no, no. Uh, it's uh, Fortnite. Yeah. Thank God, my kids never got into Fortnite. Oh, that's, that's your a, kids are. That's a, that's a killer too. How I got a ten-year-old and an eighteen-year-old, so I with so a girl you've, in the middle. Really, you've really got. I mean, you're like right in the middle of all of that <laughs> because you're seeing that ten-year-old growth. And, oh and yeah. The, I mean, your eighteen-year-old is eighteen, so so he's already been through that part of it. He, you know, he's getting ready to go to college in September, man. Holy. I just signed all the student loan documents uh, two days ago. Oh my god! Co signed. <laughs> oh my well, we're god. gonna we're gonna do school helps out, so we get some uh, we get some reciprocal uh, oh, that's uh, good. tuition assistance or tuition exchange with the school. So, what, and what is your just son? So doing? happens he ch- he wants to be an electrical engineer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's he's awesome. a good cook too, right. but he wants to be electrical engineer. Right. Uh, which is uh, that that's great. You know he's building computers and taking things apart, putting them back together and building, you know, crazy stuff. It's stuff that I was doing as a kid too, but <laughs> everything was much, much slower and, you know, went together with screws and right. and bolts and stuff today. Everything's, you know, he, he just, he builds all these machines up there and sells them, sells them up to his, uh, sells them off to his buddies. Oh, that's cool. Do video car. You've got a guy coming to pick up a video card today. All right. Put it in the mailbox. That's pretty funny. <laughs> nice. Uh, like keep, keep it legal, man. Keep it legal. So now, I mean, where is, where, where do you see, I mean, where are we going? I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, in the hospitality industry for everywhere that we are right now, we're, 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 we're seeing changes that are happening on a daily basis, you know, from the, the full blown dynamic of, of the interaction amongst employee, amongst employees. I mean, we look at the, the kind of uh, the battle that we're going through with, with me too. We're looking at Mario Batali. We're looking at John Besh. We're looking at all of these guys that look, some of the shit was stupid. We get it. It, it, yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. it was stupid shit. You know, yeah. Besh was 20, Besh was 20 really, years ago. It was expected shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some of this stuff was a little bit more. Some of this stuff was a little bit more yeah, of, no, no, of, I, of, you know, I, you work I, for me, you're mine. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we're seeing that. And I mean, where, where are we going, man? I mean, what is, what is the next round of hospitality and culinary? What are you seeing as an instructor and as a, as a, as a, as a full blown educator of the direction that we're going into? Yeah. Well, as, as I said earlier, we get, we get those students that are just like they were 20 years ago. And we get those students that really don't know what they want to do, but they figure it out while they're in school. And we get these other students that are, are really only intended on going into completely different parts of the industry. Um, and they end up in those places, but you got to look at it. You know, when, when you and I got into the industry and we talked about getting a job in the kitchen, that's what we talked about. There's so many places you can go that relate to food today that we can find a, a somewhere for every one of these kids to fit. Honestly, yeah. um, if your specialty is, you know, cleaning up the, the little lines in between the tiles, 
you know, with you're, a with a toothbrush, right. we got a job for you. You know, yeah. if your specialty is talking about a dish in such a way that nobody ever could describe it before, there's a job for you. Sure. You know, if you're all about, you know, the photography and, and the layout and the design. And I mean, look at all the media, the internet, you know, shows like you got right here. There's so many places for these kids to go today, whether it be in media, whether it be in, in communications, whether it be in advertising, whether it be, and they, they don't ever have had to cook in order to do that. Sure. All they have now, to do is have a little, little bit of that culinary skill. And they never had to work a line in order to make a, a dish look pretty and, and take no, a picture of it. Not at but, all. But, but they have had that culinary background. Even the Did, food scientists that I've worked with over the years, some of the best people that I've worked with in plants are people that spent time in a commercial kitchen or went through a culinary program. Right. And 20, 30 years ago, there was no food scientists I know that went to culinary school just to figure out how to cook. So sure. they could work in a plant making, uh, and, and, I really think that, like I said, there's a place for everybody. Right. We can find something for every one of these guys to do. Uh, you know, every one of these students that come through to to do, to go, to be. Uh, right. There's just that many opportunities now. Uh, now, how? You know, how, and it's good. How? How? When it comes to the instructors, I mean, first off, I don't know if I ever thanked you, but that when I was up in Providence last time, you gave me a tour of of. Uh, of Johnson and Wales, which was awesome because yeah, in reality, yeah. like you can get a tour of the school, but you do it with somebody who's been there for 21 years. It's a whole different world. You know, yeah. how, how were you? Well, I wouldn't have had it any other way, man. I wouldn't have sent you around with admissions. <laughs> no, they, they'd been trying to get me to get my girls to go to school there. You, you would have got the students, uh, the students view of, of Johnson and Wales, uh, which is good too, but you got to see a few students while you were there. I did. Your fans, I think. <laughs> oh, I did. We did. We took a couple pictures and had some fun. But uh, I mean, what is it? I mean, how often are you guys rotating staff and and whatnot? I mean, you know, you've been there for a while. I know I met a couple of other chefs that were there that oh, had been man. there for a while. What what kind yeah, of you met a couple chefs there? that taught me when I was there? <laughs> right. They were. But, uh, and they, you know, yeah, nice got, guys, man. Yeah, we got folks. The good thing is that we're all kind of current in the industry. Okay. All those guys that you met are all doing something for the summer. Whether it's working at a private club, whether it's out working, like I'm doing spreadsheet work and I'm working in a plant. Right. You know, I'm, I'm working with a buddy of mine that's, that's uh, he's moving his 20,000 square foot plant into a 50,000 square foot plant and adding $10 million worth of cap cap you know, capabilities on plus right. software and all sorts of analytics at the same time. So I find my way into that side of the industry because it's a little easier on my knees and I get to sit in the AC office working on the computer. Right. <laughs> well, you know, some of some of my coworkers, they're out working in restaurants, working on the line, running private country clubs. Uh, shit, I ran three uh, swimming and tennis clubs for four or five years in the middle. I had like 40 kids working for me. Right. Um, but, you know, that's seven days a week, Memorial Day to Labor Day. And that's my vacation. So I got to right. take some time. <laughs> but, yeah, most of the most of the guys you met are all doing something in the summertime, right. whether it's consulting. Uh, because that's part of our stick as faculty in order to keep current and teach current trends and teach movements. We, we need to stay current in, in our, uh, you know, in our, sure. in our world. 
it, it's not no. like a history and no offense to please. If there's history teachers out there that are about to get mad at me, please one back <laughs> off and shut up because I'm not making fun of you, but it is, it's a totally different kind of world. I mean, uh, you know, a history teacher that's teaching in a high school history hasn't changed. You know, the war of 1812 still happened in the war of 1812, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, I really hope it happened in 1812. I forget, but <laughs> But I mean, you know, for, for, there, but yeah. for instructors, I mean, especially in a culinary world, we're literally changing on a daily basis. I mean, you know, the, the, the technology of sous vide, the technology of induction. I mean, these are things that are changing the dynamics, not only that, but the trending, um, the way that things are happening. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny you had mentioned uh, about, you know, taking pictures and stuff. My buddy, Chris Coombs, who has one of the, he has the number one restaurant in Boston. Uh, he just opened up a new place that he actually has an Instagram table he has a table that is fully lit for you to take the best possible pictures of his food in the restaurant it's amazing (laughs) and and everybody made fun of him and but you know what the guy's got people sitting at that table every single night that are promoting his business so you know it does happen that way but um all right. So, <laughs> Russ, hey, man, I, I know you're, you know, you're in the middle of doing stuff and, and I appreciate you taking time out from your day to, to hop on with us. And, and, and so, just so everybody knows, Russ and I met, like I said, about a year and a half ago, um, getting involved in the Food and Beverage Innovation Center that we do out at the nightclub and bar show in Vegas. Um, and, and Russ, just to give you an idea, we're growing that show even further this year. So, you know, we're going right. to have... We're really working a lot closer with some vendors and some really new and innovative products. And Middleby Equipment is is stepping up to the plate as they do every single year. And so we've got a bunch of really cool stuff that's going to be going on. We actually have a whole um, – we have a pavilion now that is in front of the in, – in front of the Innovation Center, which is all brand-new foods. You know, I've, I found this really cool pasta company that makes pasta out of lentils. Um you know, so I'm really out there trying to find some cool products that people can start putting into their bars and whatnot. But um, so I'm excited to see you back out in Vegas this year. And um, I'm supposed to get up into Providence, I think, the first week of October. So, you know, maybe you and I can run out and have a beer or two. It'd be good to see you. Me, you and Matt will something. So do, do me a favor. How can we get in touch yeah. with you or how can we follow you on any of your, you know, I know you're not a huge social media guy, but, you know, you're still out there. And if you want to tell people or if you want to keep it private, you can tell me to go to hell. No, that's all right. I, I, J-W-U-Z-I-T-O, J-W-U-Z-I-T-O is my uh, Instagram, Facebook. It's just look up my name, Russ Zito. Uh, and uh, Twitter, J-W-U-Z-I-T-O as well. J-W-U-Z-I-T-O. I don't put a lot out there, but you know, I, I follow a lot of the students, a lot of my fellow faculty, and it just makes it easy to kind of keep up with what's going on. Um, you know, we're in that big building, 27 different kitchens. It's hard to see everything else that's happening at the same time. Dude, I still want to come so, up there and I want to play one day. I want to do a, I want to do a demo or I want to come up and play, man. I really enjoyed being. Yeah, there. let let's set it up so we get you in the amphitheater, get three or four hundred kids in front of you. You know, I'd love it. I'd love it. I, I I would love that. So I rarely get to talk to culinary students anymore. I've done a couple of speeches here and there in front of a uh, a couple. I've done a lot of speeches to students and stuff, <laughs> but uh, it it'd be kind of I fun see, to get involved I, now. I see the action up on the stage with those kids, man. You 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 got you got the knack. Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, look, I can't get up on that stage if the stuff's not being done with everything we have else going, everything else we have going on down there. And we got a lot of stuff that we're going to have a lot of fun with this year. So right. uh, we'll I'm get looking you forward to helping out, man. That'd be great. We'll get you involved in the next couple of calls and get all that stuff taken care of. Russ, yo, man, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, have a good summer, man. Yeah, you too, Brock. My pleasure, right, man. Uh, 
you know, everybody, here's the deal. Like uh, this is what I talk about all the time is that I, I meet these awesome people while I'm out and in all of these, these little venues and things that I get involved in. And, and Russ kind of, you know, he got involved two years ago on this food and beverage innovation center. We had, we had shipped like, I think eight or 10 culinary students out to Vegas from, from, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, from Johnson and Wales to come out. And Russ was their kind of instructor. He was the leader of that group. And through that, we have built a, a nice friendship. You know, I mean, there's a group of chefs that come out with me. You guys hear their names all the time. These are people that I talk about. These are my buddies. These are these are my friends, you know, um, that I bring out with me. And, and not because they're my friends. They're out there because they all have a purpose. Um the fact that we like each other and we all get to hang out it is a whole different world. But, you know, I mean, we, we're, we're a group of chefs. I mean, it's, it's Russ, it's Chad Rosenthal, Panini Pete, um, uh, Keith Breedlove, Matt Varga, uh, 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 Kayla Robeson, um, Nick Liberato. You know, these are all these people that we go out with and we go out to Vegas every year and we put this show on um, in this massive arena of, uh, you know, uh, of a trade show. And these guys executed such a high level and Russ this year was just paramount to the success of it. I mean, his organization is, is just brilliant for what we need to get done um, when it comes to putting all the recipes together, getting the orders put together. You know, I kind of help I, in reality. I don't even, I don't do, I kind of, I kind of assist in a way, you know, I, I, I give them the direction that we want them to go. And the whole idea behind the food and beverage innovation center that we do out there is that, uh, bars and restaurants and nightclubs that are out there right now are looking for new things. You know, that's what we're doing. We're seeing a decline in, in some of the drinking because of the, some of the new laws that are coming out with marijuana and stuff like that. People aren't drinking as much. So we're still trying to get that revenue to come through. Now, we saw an increase in alcohol and alcohol sales a couple of years for a while there. We had a really nice upswing going on because the DUIs had dropped down. You know, we stopped seeing the amount of DUIs uh, across the board because of Uber and Lyft. And here's I'm just going to say it right now. If you get a DUI now in this day and age, you're a jackass. You can literally I don't care if your Uber is five thousand dollars to get home. You didn't get a DUI and you didn't have the opportunity to kill somebody. So think about that when you do it. And this isn't a plug for Uber. This is a plug for not being a jackass and drinking and driving. Um, I was driving through uh, North Carolina. I guess it was in Virginia, actually, when I was leaving uh, North Carolina the other day. And I drove on the highway and I looked up and it said there have been 57 deaths due to DUIs this year alone. So now, how do you take that? One, holy shit, I can't believe 57 people died in 2018 due to a DUI or holy shit, I can't believe there's only been 57 deaths due to a DUI. Um, you know, it, it's decreasing across the board, but, but what, I'm, what I'm moving into with that, that weird kind of line of, 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 of not questions, but, but interviewing, I, I have no idea, you, I'm, I'm stumbling here, 
But what I'm saying is that these bars, these nightclubs, and these restaurants are looking to find newer ways to increase the revenue that is coming through their front door for, out of the guest who is sitting down. Um, we need to we need to be uh, on top of that. We have to be at the forefront of it. So that's where this food and beverage innovation idea really came from was to start to bring to light and bring and put in front of people like Bob's Bar and Grill. Look, it's a fictitious place that I talk about all the time. And if there's a Bob's Bar and Grill out there, hey, I'd love to stop by and say hi. But, you know, think about the Bob's Bar and Grill, the mom and pop shops that aren't, uh, you know, that aren't at the forefront of the culinary uh, movement at this point. And what they're doing is they're still selling a popper and a mozzarella stick and a chicken wing. Um, how is it that we can give them ways to update and, 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 and move them into the new movement of food with things that we're doing? And that's where this Food and Beverage Innovation Center comes into play because I want the chefs, the eight chefs that we have up on stage between Russ, myself, Panini, Chad, Keith, Matt, Kayla, Nick. I want all of the guys and girls that are up on these stages while we're doing these demos to be able to showcase not only a piece of equipment, something that's innovative, whether it be a perfect fry, which is a, a piece of equipment that sits on a countertop that that has programmable things so that you don't have to have a chef. The guy walks over, a bartender walks over and drops eight chicken wings in and they're able to press it down. Well, we don't do chicken wings in that manner, but you know, last year we did this amazing uh, croquette. It was a beautiful chicken croquette that, that Matt Varga made. Um, you know, Panini this year had done, had done an, 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 an awesome teckanyaki style, uh, fritter. Actually, it was actually a Southern fritter, um, that we did in a teckanyaki style with a sous vide octopus. You know, there's so many amazing ways for people to update their food programs. And that's what I love. That's my consulting business. That's what I talk about. That's the food and beverage innovation center. If you can see me right now, my hands are all over the place because I'm so passionate about this. But we have to start getting the, as I say over and over again, it's time to get the box cutters out of our chef's hands and put the knives back into it. You know, when I'm invited to a food show so that they want to show me a new product and I walk into a food show, I take time out of my life, my crazy schedule of 80,000 miles in the air a year, and I walk into a food show so that you can show me, are you ready for this, a vegan Bloody Mary mix? You're kidding me. You're kidding me that I have to be shown a product that is made of that or on top of it. Are you ready for this? Riced cauliflower that they're selling for five dollars a bag. Why? Because of the fact that our chefs are getting lazy in those worlds and our owners are saying, I'm tired of dealing with the with the chefs. I'm tired of dealing with the attitudes. I'm tired of dealing with the prima donna world that we're living in when it comes into this place. It's a very simple fact that if we start getting our chefs to prepare more food within the kitchens, and look, I'm not talking about the higher end restaurants. I'm not talking about critically acclaimed locations. I'm talking about your average places that are complacent in what it is that they're selling because of the fact that they, one, don't want to invest any more money into the operation, or two, they've really been kind of jaded, and I hear it all the time, by chefs that are prima donnas that are dealing with a bunch of bullshit. I just fire, we just, let me rephrase that. I just worked with a client who we had to let go of a chef because of the fact that he was unable to adapt to what it that what it was that the owner had wanted. You know, this guy was running a 92% prime cost. To give you guys an idea, your average prime cost should be roughly around a 50 when it comes into food with a 20% labor at a high end. 
and a 30% food cost, which now 30% food cost is even more on the higher end because we're running into 28s and 27s. So uh, we, we've got to update. We've got to make changes. You know, how many times are we walking into bars, bars and restaurants or bars really where we're seeing the cook who's sitting at the end of the bar playing Golden Tee or playing Mega Touch or on his phone sitting at the end of the bar or employees standing out back smoking cigarettes when, you know what, you just enabled them. You as an owner just enabled that employee by bringing in a pre-diced onion, by bringing in a pre-cut carrot, by bringing in a pre-diced potato, by bringing in a frozen French fry, by bringing in frozen portion chicken. Let your guys and girls use their knives. Let them use their brains and let them figure it out. Because before I'm giving you a Roboku, before I'm giving you a mandolin, I'm giving you a knife. And I'm going to teach you how to cut a man, how to cut a julienne and a batonette. And I'm going to show you the ways to do that. I'm going to show you the proper way to cut an onion. And then we can figure it out after that. But when you start it off, you've got to let these people, ed- let them be educated. Teach them how to work in a kitchen without having all of the pre-made, pre-processed frozen food. We as chefs have a responsibility to serve a healthy, quality product to our guests. I love U.S. food. I love Cisco, PFG, GFS, every single one of these guys, and especially Chef's Warehouse. I love them all. But one of the things that I don't love is the fact that we are making it easier and easier for the chefs to start getting replaced because of the fact that they're bringing in all of this crappy product that's being sold. We have to step up to the plate. We've got to be creative. We've got to stop doing the same shit over and over again. That is my rant for this week's show. Thank you guys all so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much to Russ Zito and thank you so much for Johnson and Wales. Um, for being on here and uh, getting us in and rush. You did an awesome uh, job as representing the school up there uh, because I know there's a lot of things that could have been said about some of the students and some of the culinary kids that are coming out right now and what's happening. Um, and you did a real nice job representing them. So I really appreciate that. And uh, uh, everybody do me a favor, just go out there and have an awesome week. And for God's sakes, just be a little bit nice to people, man. We're in a crazy, angry world right now. Take five seconds, take a breath, take the breath. And be nice to somebody. All right, everybody, have a great week. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef, B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenbeans quick fix on Radio Influence. The walkaway campaign, I think it's great because it's going to take gay men and women. It's going to take any representatives of, of said demographics and said communities that are claimed by this political machine on the left to actually speak for themselves and say, hey, you know what? You don't represent us because anybody else, it, it's go- it needs them. They need to do it themselves. <laughs> Let me be clear, okay? And this is my opinion on it. We need you guys to start realizing liberty. I'm not saying everybody go switch your voter registration. You know what I mean? Like for me personally, this is just an opportunity to educate. And I want to be there to explain these principles, to show them what's actually happening, to to show them what's really going on in the news around them, what things actually mean, how things have been skewed and, and, and molded into different things. This is like what I feel like I'm here for. This is why I'm here to teach these people. We are actually on the brink of something absolutely 
breathtaking in this in this country and this world. Mm-hmm. Let's do this together. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.